Hi, welcome to Give Me One Reason. I am Kathy Taylor, and I am excited to introduce to you some beautiful people on this podcast, people that are brave enough to talk to me regarding their feelings and thoughts on faith and doubt. Thank you for joining in. Welcome to Give Me One Reason. I am here today with Richie Garcia, my friend and local bartender at the Looking Glass. Can I say that? Or no? Yep. yep. Yeah, okay. you can plug the Looking Glass. I can plug the Looking, looking glass. glass Bar and Grill. Awesome. All right. Shameless plugs. Okay. All right, honey. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm great. I uh, just want to make sure we are going here. Looks like we are. We are. We're going. All right. So I talked to you, I think a few weeks ago, and I said, hey, would you ever podcast with me? I always feel like you have this great energy, and so you were like, yeah. So anyway. Awesome. I, I appreciate that, and uh, I'm really excited. I listened to your podcast with, uh, what was his name? You sent me the link David to Smalley. David Smalley. No, I really like the podcast, and I, uh, I, I like what you had to say. I definitely, um, I guess kind of... Uh, I had an idea of what his podcast was about in terms of just like discussing religion and then kind of debating the topics of it. What would you say your podcast is My about? podcast is, I am not really a debate one, although like some people want me to be, and I'm willing to, to definitely challenge things. And if you want to debate, I'm all up for that. But I feel more led as somebody who's a boomer, at the cusp of a boomer, to give people your age, your generation, a voice about faith, whether they believe or not, because it's been my experience as a college professor that a lot of my students don't even talk to their parents about what they believe. They don't even say what they believe. They're afraid to say what they believe. They're afraid to doubt. They're afraid to ask questions. They're afraid to admit maybe they don't see it the way their parents did. And so I feel like I exist to give people a voice. Um, because in turn of you giving your voice, there's probably somebody else out there that feels the same way that might not get a chance to do it or would do it. That's kind of my purpose and mission. Does that make sense? It does. I think it makes a lot of sense. And I, I like that approach to religion because I feel like there's, it's almost like politics where like there's almost sides to it with some people where there's a lot of being defensive. There's a lot of like presumptuous, like, oh, well, if you're atheist, then you have to believe in this. Or if you're religious, then you have to believe in this. Yeah. I really like the podcast pretty much up until the point where you started debating him. I'm just not interested in that, that kind of dialogue, like where you pull out, you know, this Bible quote and that Bible quote. And what I don't understand is, um, you know, not to take words out of his mouth, I'm sorry if I'm misrepresenting no, 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 what he no. said, but he basically accused you of cherry picking certain mm -hmm. verses. Yeah. And I don't I don't see what's wrong with cherry picking verses. Like why why 
is it bad to say, I think these things are good and these things are invalid and bad? That's mm-hmm. evolution and that's process. And you can take a lot of different things mm-hmm. from a lot of different religions. I think it's bad if you impose those will. Thank you. This, uh, sorry, the no cheese problem. curds just cheese arrived. Cheese curds, we're in Wisconsin. Yep. You gotta stop that, yeah. Oh, definitely, cheese curds break. <laughs> like, I, I, I think it's bad if like you're imposing those certain beliefs on other people, but I don't even see why there should be a debate. You know, mm. like what's there to debate about outside of just sharing? So you didn't feel like it made my religion weak by being I didn't accept like the whole book, like because the whole book doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it all. You know what I mean? But yeah. parts of it do. In the same way, there's parts of other things that are beautiful to me, like other books or religious books. Or would like for lunch, or just serve we're just doing this. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Um, in the same way, uh, other things, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like the works of Aristotle or the works of some philosopher. I mean, some of it I go, wow, that makes sense. Some of it you're like, eh, I don't know, you know. But then he was challenging my belief, or a lot of Christians believe that the Bible is inerrant word of God. But I'd already said I didn't believe that, that it wasn't without error. So, yeah, because it was really his accusation of saying I'm cherry picking everything that made me doubt it all. Like, oh, then it's not valid. Mm -hmm. Like I'm making, he said I'm making up my own God. Yeah, well, it's your interpretation of the gap, God, and that's the difficult thing, I feel like, with that mentality, though, is that's based on the individual. Like, the individual can pick and choose what they like and don't like, what can relate to, and they can't, and maybe there's some verses you don't relate to now, but then you get a little older and you see the world in a different way, and then you kind of relate to it. And um, one Bible verse I really liked was, um, I can't even quote which one it is, I just, I think I saw it in a movie once. It was just like... um, when I was a child, I did childish yeah. things, but then when I yeah. became an adult, I put childish things aside. And yeah. Obviously, when I was a kid, I'm like, you know, religion's stupid. I'm like, it's yeah. the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's like, I'm, yeah. you know, I always like Dragon Ball Z, like, you know, yeah. fuck yeah. off. Like, yeah. But then yeah. I got older, and I kind of understood that a little more yeah. in terms of just, like, priorities. Like, there's certain things that are more important than others, and mm-hmm. you have to sacrifice mm-hmm. some things that you could do as a kid and to become an adult and do something better. So mm-hmm. I'm more interested in that, but... The, the difficult thing with that is you can't get, like, an entire church of people to believe that way because there needs to be some kind of unity, yeah. right? You know, you have your own individual beliefs, and you don't want, you don't want to impose them on other people. Right. But good luck getting a congregation of 50 people, and then you... you know, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like I the do. Structure? I do. I did it once. It was at a bar. Oh, but I did you? it for eight nice. years. Nice. I had a church at Willowdale Saloon for eight years. Really? Did you know that? No, that's very cool. It was awesome. That's very cool. I have people almost every week asking me to do it again. And um, I've thought about going to the hilltop because mm-hmm. they're my friends up there. And it's beautiful up there. It's a good, cool venue. You know, oh. it used to be a lava lounge. I love hilltop, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So someday... But um, I think you can if you have respect and not the expectation that everybody has to agree with each other. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes in church, there's this group think, like we all go to this denomination because we all believe these core things. But I always think about it like when I get on an airplane, like how much peons we really are. Do you ever, like you fly, you, you start to go up in the air, you're above the clouds. First you see things, the buildings, and then all of a sudden nothing, right? And it's like, we're literally a speck on a speck on a speck on a speck. Mm-hmm. How audacious of me to think that I really know anything for sure. Yeah. 
and to, I do feel a little pressure sometimes from people like David. I love David and we're friends, but I feel pressure that I have to figure it out or label myself this thing. Like, okay, Kathy, you don't have it all figured out, so you're an atheist. Yeah. So you probably quit listening, but I'm crying through heart of it. Was I crying when you were uh, No, no. I, I, so he's got me crying, and I go, well, then what, what do you call me? And he said, you know, Kathy, you're an atheist. And I'm like, he was gentle about it, but I don't see that I am. Mm-hmm. And, like, my poor father, you know, listened to it and was like, he's been a preacher for 50 years, and he's like, honey, we have to have coffee, and he's all sad and depressed. Oh, and, yeah. and I'm like, and also, like, I, I just know that God is real. You know, I, I feel that God is real. Do I know that? No. Do I know that, Richie? But no. Yeah. But I sense that there's something bigger than me. So I said that to David. You probably didn't get that far. And he, had, he gave me a great answer. He said, I know you feel like there's something bigger than you. That's evolution. Everything that's born wants to go back to its mother. You know, baby alligators jump in the alligator's mouth. Babies want to go back. Yeah. We want something bigger and safer than us. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? No, I, I understand that. And that's kind of a... Uh, I, don't, I don't like that idea because that's like logic. Like, I, I don't think you can deny there's the metaphysics to the world. So a lot of times where you get people kind of like atheists and, and, and that kind of mindset, they'll be like, oh, whatever spiritual experience you have is just a release of dope, dopamine and oxytocin yeah. and serotonin and it doesn't yeah. mean anything. And even saying, oh, you're, you're longing for something bigger is just evolution like that's so cut and dry and it's like yeah mm-hmm. it's easy to be in the position of saying I have a scientific answer for this compared to I don't know because I'll say I don't know mm-hmm. and it's uh, <clears throat> one thing I see in religion is I feel like there's so many similes for the same thing so if like you know in one religion they'll call it the power of Christ and then maybe in an eastern religion they'll call it like chi or the way or the truth or Buddha or Nirvana and it's like there's all these terms in religion that all kind of mean the same thing it's the same thing I still believe that an atheist still has out-of-body experiences just like a Christian does. They just look at it a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't think you can just label something so black and white like, oh, well, it's definitely scientifically proven that you're longing for something bigger is some kind of evolutionary thing because our senses are so limited. I think even that, that, that even makes you a bad scientist to say, oh, for sure, it's just this thing. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Our senses are incredibly limited. We can only see a certain kind of spectrum in the light scale. Like a dog's sense of smell is ten, like thousands and thousands of times time stronger than a human's in their sense of hearing. Like imagine if we had all our senses amplified by 10,000, right? Mm-hmm. We have instruments that already amplify mm-hmm. by another 10,000. Like there's just so mm-hmm. much in the world we don't see and don't understand. Like, you can't just be like, oh, here's the meaning of life because, mm-hmm. you know, not, not to discredit science, but I, I, I don't think you can explain metaphysics with, with science in mm-hmm. absolute certainty. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, there was kind of a, a something your, um, your son said where uh, you talked about, um, or you quoted him in the podcast where he's like, oh, there's no feelings, there's just facts. Feelings don't matter. Facts matter. Feelings don't matter. I remember thinking, like, I don't mean this in a mean way, but, like... What do you mean? He can handle you know, it. He's really going to kill it at the parties, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, talk mm-hmm. about, you know, mm-hmm. list off Wikipedia pages and algorithms and stuff, and it's like, feelings absolutely mm-hmm. matter. Like, like, there's no, even, like, with a human connection, you're making eye contact with someone, or just uh, your gut instinct, mm-hmm. or... Mm-hmm. Feelings are definitely important. It's part of the world. Just because you can't physically touch it doesn't mean mm-hmm. 
they don't matter. Mm-hmm. And I guess to kind of uh, circle back to religion is uh, I kind of appreciate. One, I'm atheist. I'll just start off with that. I'm not even like Are you really? religious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't I, expect that. I just have this far into it. Yeah. I didn't expect See, most it. people don't. And yeah, like, yeah, I have yeah. to like argue with other atheists about it because they yeah. just discredit religion. And it's like, well, you can't just completely discredit it. You can't say there's nothing good yeah. about it and it's yeah. all bad. Because the one thing religion does is it addresses the metaphysics of the world, the, the spirituality of the world. Yeah. And even if you look at a, a evolution, it's every human civilization has had some kind of religious or spiritual structure to it. There's, there's no atheist society. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, of course, you have, like, the communist regime and then mm-hmm. stuff like that. But, like, every aborigine tribe, every native tribe, every, mm-hmm. every culture has had some kind of base religion. Yeah. So it, how isn't that a part of human evolution? Like, mm-hmm. 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 Did you ever see the movie Religious, that documentary? Yes, yes. Okay. I so I saw it in the theater with mm-hmm. a friend the first time when it came out. And my friend was an atheist. And <clears throat> in his mind, it kind of solidified the idea that, see, the whole Jesus story is debunked because it's been in every civilization, you know, Horus, the sun god, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But to me... It kind of reiterated that every civilization has sought to make sense of some story of God. Yeah. Like, and interestingly enough, they were all similar. I think that's kind of crazy. For me, that kind of gave me proof maybe there was a God sending the same story to every civilization. All right. We're still on? I think we're still on. Let's see. We are still on, Richie. We just had a little bleep, but we're good. So it's for my, for my atheist friend, he saw that as, you know, proof there was no story of Jesus. But I, I don't know. I, I kind of saw it was crazy that in all these civilizations they had the same freaking story. That was crazy to me. Yeah, that, that um, it's in, and plus, uh, okay, so when I first started, my, my like, path in religion mm-hmm. was, uh, I guess when I was a kid I believed in God. But I didn't really like go to church or anything, so I was just like, I kind of just like daydreamed about heaven. I'm like, heaven's just gonna be like the best thing ever, and I'll be like a Dragon Ball Z fighter, and I can do whatever I want. It was just like <laughs> right. the idea that I could just like live my whole imagination. Right. So I didn't really think of it that much. And then as I got older, I guess like my brother was atheist, and then I don't know, I just didn't really have a religious family, and I was more of just like I love documentaries and science and stuff, and then I just kind of stopped believing in God. But I was just like one of those like, like asshole thirteen-year-olds who were just like, I don't believe in God because I'm so smart and cynical and yeah, yeah, yeah. realistic and you know th- like everything religion was stupid and you know there's so much like throw the baby out with the bathwater kind of kind of. I'll have my friend go through this one and edit it. Yep, we're good. All right, all right, honey. No worries. <laughs> that's why. That's why it's recorded. We're still good. We're okay. resilient. So, so when you were a kid. Yeah, so like you're an asshole, thirteen year old. Yeah, I was an I can't asshole. Imagine you're adorable. Oh god, I was such a bully. Really? Back in high school. You were a oh, bully. Oh, I was the biggest bully, in like middle school and high school. Oh my god, I think it's just because I had like a really kind of I don't know. I didn't have like the worst upbringing, but I did had a really hostile family, like a really unkind mm-hmm. family. So I just kind of went to school and treated other people that way. Like I still had friends and stuff. It was just you know bullies get bullied and they bully other people mm-hmm. and that's kind of that's kind of how I was I didn't have like I don't know it, it's always weird because 
it's hard for me to be like, oh, I had a rough upbringing because, you know, some people had, like, really, really yeah. bad, like, yeah. fucked up their whole lives. Right. Like, I would say it gave me a lot of anxiety and depression and faults and stuff, but just stuff, I can work through it, you know? Yeah. I'm making it out. I made it out all right. <laughs> you know, there's some people who are scarred, so I wasn't scarred for life, but I didn't, wasn't particularly a happy home. Anyway, so I was just kind of, like, an asshole kid, just talking about shit all the time. And then... Uh, I remember in high school, like senior year, I was just like total loss of identity, just did not have the tools to like process life properly. Mm-hmm. And I think I had to do with my dysfunctional home and then I kind of like discovered Buddhism. Mm-hmm. And then I really just kind of like awakened like my spirituality just with Buddhism. I'd like mm-hmm. go by the river and I'd like feel the river zen, and then just zen and like zen and like <laughs> visualize this stuff. And I could like super relate to all the quotes and. Yeah. It was just like a moment, and I remember it just like it forgave, like I forgave my mom and I forgave my brother. It was just like the spiritual time, and then I just kept reading the book, and I'm like, oh, I'm you know, relating to this guy. This is so awesome. And then I got to the part of the book where it said that uh, if you want to follow Buddha, you have to shave your head and only eat rice. And I'm like, fuck this book. <laughs> I threw it away. I'm, like, I'm done. Because I, I had that mentality of like, yeah. if you follow, because I judge yeah. other people the same way. Oh, right. if you don't follow all the rules, you're not a real. You know, right. that was like my criticism, where it's like. Yeah. You know, you, you dig up that one verse that makes the whole book. Yep. But that's really baby with the bathwater stuff. And looking back, it's almost so ridiculous because it did so much good for me. And then I read one thing I didn't like, and then I was like, literally just stopped reading it. I was like halfway through it. Just... So there was that. And then um, I don't really know when I just got like really open-minded with religion, probably these last couple years, when I just kind of looked at it like... Uh, Almost like philosophy. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just kind of like spiritual philosophy. That's kind of mm-hmm. how I view it. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to get mad at everything. Like you don't have right. to. Right. That's true. And uh, I never thought of it that way, but it kind of is spiritual philosophy. It's uh, and I love. I'm a huge, huge philosophy nerd, and um, I kind of use religion as the Trojan horse to talk to people about philosophy. Mm-hmm. Just like mm-hmm. concepts of like mm-hmm. sacrifice and rebirth, and th- then you look, go, circling back to the story where you're like, oh, how, there's so many similarities mm-hmm. between all these religions. It's like every religion has a flooding story. Mm-hmm. Every religion has some kind of story where uh, um, of like sacrifice. And the born of the virgin. Born of the virgin. Yeah, rebirth. Crazy. Rebirth is mm-hmm. the big one because yeah. you know I think that's the best one because everyone. Everyone is like, oh, you know, when I was a kid, I was a fucking idiot, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Five years ago, I was an idiot. Or a year ago, I was an idiot. Or 10 years ago, I was an idiot. And, you know, I would never do this X, Y, and Z. I'm a completely different person. Like, mm-hmm. physically, you're the same human being. But, like, how, how isn't that some kind of men- maybe a mental rebirth or a spiritual like a rebirth? Reset. Or, you or reset. You can start over. Exactly. Yeah. And people refer to them past selves. Yeah. You know, they, they don't even respect. Like, I was fucking stupid back then. Yeah. I was dumb. I'm I was not this that and that. man I'm, I used to be. They, yeah. they, they, they detach themselves from who they used to be. Like, how isn't that a rebirth of some sort, whether it's Christ three days after or, like, Horus, yeah. you know, you know mm-hmm. rising or just, like, any kind of story about Buddha regenerating, any of that, mm-hmm. you know. But those are powerful stories because they're human stories and everyone can relate to them. And I think that's why they last so long, just because you, know, you can't relate to... Yeah, obviously it was important to be passed down, passed down, passed down, before social media, before reading, before many people were literate, all that stuff, the stories that got passed down, it's almost, it's crazy. Yeah, it's a, it's a good truth. You don't have to believe in, you don't even have to believe in God to like that. Like, you don't have, you, you can be a scientist or a philosopher and still agree with everything I just said. You don't have to have some kind of commitment to a god or a church but like to throw out that's a really good idea to just throw out because Mm -hmm. 
there's a, a passage about you know killing babies or something, or there's like a passage against the women. You can't disagree that the rebirth is still a good idea. Like, mm. you know what bothers me lately, Richie? After going through that podcast, that last one, he almost like deconverted me, right? Online. Yeah. And then it's interesting that as an atheist, it bothered you and you had to stop halfway through. I just want to say, if David ever listens to this, ha. Okay, <laughs> but. Um, I thought I wouldn't become an atheist because uh, the inerrancy of the Bible. I don't. I don't think I need. To, I don't worship my Bible. I said that on the podcast. I worship. You know, I love God, not the Bible. Like, okay, the Bible. You could take away the Bible, and I'd still feel like there's something out there. Yeah. So that's fine. Um, even the problem of evil. Um, can I tell you a quick story? When I got on David's podcast. My son was sending me stuff for years, Christopher Hitchens, Dawkins, all this same hair stuff, and I was like, I felt stupid when I listened to it, okay? I felt mm-hmm. like an idiot for being believing God. And then he sends me David's stuff, and David made sense to me, just because he was so kind about it. So I thought, I'd love to talk to that guy. Well, I think I, you heard me say this in the podcast. So I got to talk to him. What I didn't say in the podcast is the philosophy professor at URA was in my office, next to my office, when I was at URA. And I'm like, Richard, and he's a, a Catholic believer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, Richard, um, oh my God, you know, I got asked to do this. I'm supposed to, Ryan goes, Mom, David, he's a Christian to talk to. Email him. And I'm like, what should I do? And he was like, oh my God, he's going to want you to solve the problem of evil. <laughs> and I'm like, pardon my French, but I'm like, fuck, I can't do that. I'm this middle-aged 50-year-old woman. I can't solve the problem of evil, you know? And I'm, he's like, okay, Kathy, we got this. He was so cute. He's like, we got this. First of all, you're brave. I wouldn't do it. But you got to bring up Dostoevsky. Are you familiar with that guy, philosopher? Yeah, I'm saying it wrong. So I was really butchered at that day. And he's like, you got to bring up blah, 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 where he said, God doesn't promise to take away our suffering. He promises to be with us in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, okay. So I get in the car and I go, Ryan, mom's going to sound really smart. I'm going to bring up Dostoevsky. And he's like, no, don't bring it up if you can't repeat the name. Mom, you can't get the name down. So it's like, I didn't. But my first philosophy professor in Janesville when I went to Iraq was definitely an atheist. This one wasn't. And so there are people that believe in philosophy that are not, you know, they're not atheists. Yeah. Yeah. But I do find it interesting that you don't um, <clears throat> dismiss all of it. No, no, I don't. Um, well, I think if it works, it works, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And I, I just think when you get like so much, even that that you know what your son said. Oh, it's not about feelings; it's about logic. Like, well, that statement sounds like there was a feeling behind it. <laughs> like. Any kind of, and this is with politics too, and this is why I hate talking about politics. It's why you bring it up, and then someone's like, "Well, well, if you, if you believe in this, then how come we just?" Anytime there's like a level of emotion involved at the beginning, I don't want to have the time because yeah. then we're getting in like a weird, like yeah. Fox News. We're yeah. in four panels, everyone's yeah. screaming at each other. Yeah. You ever see those fights on Facebook where it's like someone does like three paragraphs and then someone does another three paragraphs, and it's like no one's reading anyone's paragraphs and yeah. people are linking. No. It's like that's not like a discussion. That's not. Yeah. Anything, and it's like, so, I, religion just hits on topics that, like, other, just like, nothing else gets, other things just don't bring up, so stuff like forgiveness, like suffering, like, um, you know, like love and t- 
connection and stuff like that. Like, religion just brings it up. And um, something I kind of wanted to discuss, which I hear a lot from Christian people, is, like, how come young people aren't into to religion? And I yeah. think there's things young people could take away from it. But if you look at the model of religion, it just doesn't fit with with modern society. So if you look at, like, a millennial, someone growing up, I grew up in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Now, if you take 1990 to 2020, mm-hmm. that's, like, you couldn't predict 2020 from, from 1990. You absolutely could not predict 2020 from 1990. Just crazy stuff, just mm-hmm. TVs, uh, technology, oh, predator right. drones, just Star facial... Trek. Star Trek. Liter- yeah. Literally yeah. Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Literally Star Trek. Now you take the 70s, where a lot of boomers were born, right? Yeah. From the 40s to the 70s, you got a lot of stuff. Like, yeah, TVs were more popular, but they just turned to color. You you had more stuff, but it was just kind of like slightly better stuff. It wasn't like Mm mind-blowing technological change. And the reason why this is important is I grew up in a society where rapid change is good. Rapid adaptation is good. It's just kind of very progressive. It's like the world just changes and you should do that but the problem with the religious structure is it doesn't have any room for adaptation if you believe in this you believe in what your parents and your grandparents and your grandparents and your church thinks and it's that was good for a while and I had it's a lot not of benefits fluid at all. there's no fluid yeah. there's yeah. no there's no yeah. church 3.0 church mm-hmm. 5.0 there's no innovation so as a young person you look at that and it's stagnant and it's just outdated and it just doesn't hmm. it doesn't fit the mentality we kind of grew up our language changes constantly our social policies change constantly our technology changes constantly everything changes for the better and that's or maybe not all the time for the better but the idea is for the better progress mm-hmm. is for the better so I think that's where kind of religion falters in that aspect and I I, 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 I kind of see it too and um, the, the the missing part of the whole forgiveness and love and, and all that and that connection thing, and and I bartend and I drink a lot and I have a lot of friends who drink a lot and sometimes I'll go through bouts of like sobriety just because I'm kind of torn between two worlds I'm torn between like health yeah. and fitness and yeah. reading books and doing all this stuff and then the other part of me is just like wants to drink and party and go out and talk to girls and yeah like so I'm kind of torn between both but like one thing I've noticed is that like when I'm sober. One thing I'm missing is, uh, you know, you're out with your buddies and you're drinking and you're with your friend and you're drunk and you fucking got one arm over each other's shoulder and you're like, bro, I fucking love you. Like, I love you. We've been friends for years. Or even I just met you like a month ago and you're super cool or like, oh, or you're just talking with your friend. You're like, oh, we're all best friends. And like, there's like moments of vulnerability when you're, you're drunk and honest and you're like, oh, then you're, people are willing to talk about things that make them suffer and talk about things they want to be. It's just... All this stuff of, of emotional connection you get just because everybody's inhibitions are down. Yeah. But when I was sober, I realized that I, I kind of missed that. It's a weird thing. You're just out with your, your buddy having a burrito, and you're like, hey, bro, just... Yeah, it's so <laughs> I, I love you, dude. Yeah. We're in Taco Bell right now. Yeah, I love... Yeah. You know, if you're drunk, bro, I fucking love Taco Bell, and I love you. Like, you no, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. But if you're sober, like, three in the afternoon... It's like, no homo, man. Yeah, no, no homo, bro. You gotta, like... <laughs> really said like not, not to be weird but like you know yeah, it's just yeah yeah so um so you think maybe the spirituality part the connection the forgiveness the love that stuff we're missing in the world you think I, millennials I, are missing that a little bit I, 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 yeah I think millennials are and I think back to the whole you don't need to be hyper religious to get benefit out of religion you can't deny 
connection. You can't deny love. You can't deny social acceptance. You can't deny vulnerability and those things being healthy. You can't deny those things being healthy. I've seen people deny it, and they're the most unhealthy people I've ever met. Like, Absolutely. I don't need nobody. I'm my own lone wolf. I'm the lion. I don't need feeling. Like, they're the most, like, mm-hmm. like hurt people, and they don't have a lot of friends. And it's like, is that... Is that how you really? Is that how you really want to be? Mm-hmm. Or maybe you just have trouble kind of connecting. So. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So when you look around, how old are you? Actually, I don't even. Twenty-five. Know. You're twenty-five. When you are your friends? Do you have any religious friends? Um. Like I know of like religious people, and I have friends who are like religious, but I don't have like. Do any of them go to church? Do you know anybody goes to church? No, not. R- yeah, I, I know like one. It was just pretty much not like an old coworker of mine. I know she was really religious. I don't know anyone who goes to church like super regularly. Like I kind of know there's some people who, some musicians at the Lark. Like I know of people, but there's no like someone in my core core friend group that goes to church. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't you think that? And I don't mean to sound so cliche, but after having church at a bar and going to that bar sometimes to just promote it or promote the church. Bar time becomes church. Like, so, you know, that bartender listens to you. You're not mm-hmm. judged for who you are. Yep. You could have had five DUIs and had to get an Uber there. Mm-hmm. Nobody's like, you're a loser. They're like, hey, get home safely. I'll yep. get you an Uber. Yep. There's not the judgment. There's the caring for each other. You know, girls holding each other's hair up when they're puking. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, and it's not attractive, right, to be getting trash when you're drinking, but nobody... Nobody's thinking, oh, you're just awful. It's like, yeah, oh, my yeah. God, i got to get you home safe. Mm-hmm. Even that you don't get in church sometimes. Oh, I, yeah, I think that's an interesting aspect of that's kind of like, because I see that, like, especially if you look at the core scene. So I, I work at the, the, the Looking Last Bar and Girl, and I live above it. So mm-hmm. I, should, I just so gave my address. So it's your whole life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm you're there all the time. Yep, yeah. yep. I wake up hungover. I get coffee there. I hang out there for just to write, you know, yeah. just to write. And then... Um, I'm there all the time, so I kind of have a really good perspective of the scene there. And that's a good point. I, um, I didn't think of it like that. Some people really look at that as, maybe they don't look at it as a church, but it's kind of almost like that. Like, they come there, and the amount of times, like, I've seen this, and this is going to sound like I'm um, making fun of it, but I'm not. It's like, and it's so healthy, I think. So it'll be like a girl, she'll be at the bar, and she'll be sad about something, right? And I'm kind of just a fly on the wall, so I know my eavesdropping. So they start to cry. Maybe it's a boy, maybe it's something, I don't know. And they have, like, two girls, one on each side, her, her girlfriends, like, mm-hmm. rubbing her back and telling her it'll be okay, and she's crying. Yeah. And then 15 minutes later, they're all laughing together. Yeah. And I, I look, and I've seen that a, a lot. I've seen that a lot. And yeah. it's like, to me, it's like she was sad about something, she talked about it, friends yeah. rubbed her back, and yeah. then... She's laughing, and that seems so healthy. Like, it's just she got it out. Yeah. And as a guy, I'm almost jealous, because I can't... If a guy cries, he has to, like, his dog has to die. He has to have, like, his wife cheat on him. It's just, like, it's got to be a big, big deal. Yeah, or he's just crazy, or it's like... You don't know my husband very well, Can I get a... Can I get a picture of coffee? I don't have, like, a picture. I can just fill you up. Oh, okay. Thank you. Adam, my husband, cries a lot. And it's beautiful. Is I it, love it. I it, wanted to marry him. I wanted my second marriage to be a man that was willing to be emotional. Mm-hmm. And um, shoot, even life insurance commercials sometimes. You know? yep, and it's, yep. it's, it's beautiful. He has this real tender heart. Oh. But it's unusual. Yeah, it this is. is all we have. And it sits on the warmer Oh, it's all good. No worries. So I can just keep... Do you need any more cream? Oh, uh, yes, please. And sugar. 
Oh, he's got sugar. Oh, he's got the sugar. Thanks for looking at Richie likes sweet creamy coffee too, right? Yeah, yeah. I usually drink black, but today I was feeling a little, a little risky, a little, okay. a little dangerous. You were today. saying you're a writer? Do you write? Oh, uh, I write uh, for uh, uh, a stand-up comedy. I'm a comic. Oh, darn. Yeah, right, yes, sure I'm so sorry. Show. I forgot that. I didn't shamelessly plug stand-up comedy. I run an open mic at the Looking Glass Bar and Grill first Monday of every month. The next open mic is December 2nd. We're having a roast battle there. I also have a gig that I'm hosting December 12th at Voight Music Center. Voight Music Center. Uh, doors open at 7, show starts at 7.30. Awesome. Okay, so you're a comedy. Can I, can I, uh, I have to admire a dark secret. Yeah. Uh, I love Louis, still. Louis C.K., yep. Yep, yeah. mm-hmm. okay. And, um... I loved the show, Louis. Oh, that was so good. Wasn't that so good? Two things you said reminded me of it. The first one, you remember the one, Bully? I have them all on my iPad downloaded. I I didn't see them all. I've only seen the parts of the first one. Bully was the one. He's in a donut shop with this date, okay? And he's a middle-aged guy, you know? And um, these three young men come in, and the one kid was like, hey. They were loud, and it was a tiny donut shop, and he's like, dude, keep it down. I'm on a date here, you know? Mm -hmm. And he's like, Really? Remember? And he yep, comes yep. over and he bullies him and he's yep, like, yep. gets right in his face and like flicks his face. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Louis's like, he's like, why don't you come out and fight me, right? And he was like, no, I'm not gonna. I got two little girls at home, right? Yeah. And then they leave. And then the woman goes, oh, I'm not gonna lie, but all of a sudden I'm not attracted to you because you wouldn't fight these guys. Yep, yep. And he's like, really? Because like, you want me to get beat up? I'm probably gonna lose. <laughs> Right? Yep. And it's like, seriously? And she's like, yeah, I'm just not interested. So she got her cab and went home. And then he follows the guy home, remember? Yep, yep. And the dad, like, almost slapped the kid in front of Louie. And the dad obviously bullied the kid. And yep, the kid yep. bullied, right? Yep, 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 yep. And then the other thing that made me think of my other favorite episode is Miami. Mm-hmm. And he goes to uh, do a stand-up show. And he goes to the beach. And he feels all white and he's chubby and mm-hmm. and this gorgeous uh, young man who was a lifeguard so he was out in the water and he flags down they're trying to take away his stuff but he's he's like no don't get it but he the lifeguard thought he was drowning mm. so this gorgeous young man cuban man goes and rescues him and he's like no i'm not drowning really he goes okay it's all right i know you're okay <laughs> and then they end up hanging out together and he had such a great time, mm-hmm. like not in a, in a gay way, like very platonic, mm-hmm. but so much so that he cancels his flight, tells his ex-wife, hey, I think I just met somebody and I just had such a good time. Oh, because he took him to his Cuban family's party. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah? And then he meets them the next day. And he's like, why are you still here? And he was like, I just really had a good time. And, <laughs> and he's like, uh, dude, I'm not... Uh, uh, and they spend like three minutes not saying the gay thing, yeah, yeah. but they're like, uh, well, no, I know. Uh, bleh, bleh, bleh. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, oh, it was so sad because it showed how men can't be comfortable mm-hmm. like in that scenario. You know what I mean? I, I, I see that. And uh, I think it's it's getting a little different now. Mm-hmm. Um, especially me and my friends. I'm not afraid to hug my bros. Yeah. I say, yeah. I say bro, I love you. Yeah. I remember I was talking to my buddy Josh once, and I'm like, I love you. And he's like, this is... He, like, mumbled it. I'm like, what? <laughs> you want to hear it. <laughs> He's like, it's weird. I'm like, it's weird that I love you. I'm like, Amanda, his girlfriend, Amanda. I'm like, I love yeah. you, Amanda. She's like, I love you too, Richard. And I'm like, look, yeah. see, she said it. I'm like, yeah. you're not yeah. going to say it. Yeah. But when he's drunk... There's no problem yeah. saying it. That's like, what I love about just, sometimes drunk people tell the truth. Right? Bro, yeah. like, him and my yeah. buddy Josh, uh, oh, yeah. you should even maybe even get Josh on this podcast. He's kind of like my, we used to just, uh, we were roommates once and 
it was before I was even 21, so he would get back to the bar, and I'd be, I was a super hardcore gamer addict, so I stayed up all night anyway. And he would come back from the bar, and we would talk for, like, three, four hours just in our gamer chairs, just, like... And we'd be like, we oh, like, oh, we need to start a podcast. We need to start a podcast. Yeah. Anyway, um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, are you hopeful for your future, Richie? Am I hopeful for my future? Like your generation's future. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm a, I, I, I feel like I'm more optimistic, and I, I feel like optimism is kind of like the best mentality you have. Because if we're fucked, we're fucked. <laughs> so, right. being pessimistic is only really going to kind of hold us back. <clears throat> I think we have a lot of potential, and I think. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel like my generation just kind of has like a weird identity crisis, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. We're kind of put in a weird circumstance of like what's true and what isn't true, and mm-hmm. we have this whole information mess with the internet. It's like there's so much misinformation on the internet. There's so much like cynicism mm-hmm. with terms of like politics. Cause <laughs> Aren't we glad this Whoopsie. was the quietest bar we could find <laughs> yeah. to do our podcast in? <laughs> It's the middle of the day, but it's Janesville. It is. It is. <laughs> Even like with the whole Trump thing, like I try to be optimistic with, with that. I don't know your opinions on Trump, but like I feel like one one thing he kind of exposed is like how much of a game politics is. It's mm. a game. It's not a moral thing. It's not who's the best leader. And like he was, it was just a game, and he was the best at it. Mm-hmm. And it's can't argue with that. So do I? I mean, I can't argue that he's the best at the game because he's beating the game. His, you yeah. know, no matter what, he's no, right. He, he said, he said, I could uh, go out and shoot somebody and get away with it. People would support me, and I think they would. Absolutely, like yeah. one hundred. It, it has nothing to do with policy. It's literally, it's the right. raw, raw game, and he's the best at it. Yeah. And the best part is, is he totally trolls his opponents so bad. Yeah. Like, it, it, okay, and I say that, and this is it's a similar thing, like with religion. You know, I'll talk good about religion, and people think I'm religious. It's like, no, I'm actually atheist, but I'm acknowledging what's good about it. Mm-hmm. So I'll say things that Trump did right or correct and people will think I'm a Trump supporter and it's like no I'm absolutely not mm-hmm. but when he came into the first Republican debate and I remember this he kicked the fucking door down because he mm-hmm. came into the Republican debate he's like you know what I'm an asshole I don't care mm-hmm. I've written checks for everybody on here mm-hmm. blah 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 and like he was just like everyone's like I'm a Christian and I'm I have a family and I like to go to um, I like to you know go on walks and blah 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 mm-hmm. and like everyone has this robot yeah yeah. mentality like this actor play but he goes up there with a third grade dialect and he's like whatever I don't give a shit these guys are ugly and stupid mm-hmm. I'm the best Yeah, <laughs> they suck yeah. I'm a piece of shit but guess what we're all pieces of shit and then he just smoked everybody he just yeah. slings shit at everybody talks yeah. shit about Rosie O'Donnell and Megyn Kelly yeah. gave people yeah. nicknames it was like WWE and then yeah. the left spent the entire campaign plastering his face on their news so literally, yeah. he had like free advertisement. No, yeah. no PR is bad PR. Yeah. And it's like that's true. Twenty-four news cycle, and the only the only Democratic juggernaut that could have stopped him was Bernie Sanders, because yeah. he's the only one who didn't have that robot thing right. either. Clinton right. was just like a robot. Yeah. Everyone else, and then he just didn't get the nominee. I, I, I don't know. I don't want to spread misinformation. I heard just the Democratic Party just didn't want him to be nominated. Yeah. That's and, what I heard. Uh, I already really got screwed out of it. Like, yeah. he's the one who had the numbers. Exactly. And, and I didn't know a single Hillary Clinton supporter. Yeah. Everyone I know that voted for her was like, she's not Trump. Right. Like, that's all I heard. I didn't know anyone from the start to finish who was like Hillary Clinton. But so, there was more people that voted Trump because she wasn't, he wasn't Hillary. Yeah. Right? And that's probably why he got in. Yeah. Exactly. Exa- and it's... Yeah. Yeah, some people had that meant this, you know, it just, that fear-mongering, the flood, the swamp, the fucking, it was just, yeah. his, 
he definitely changed everything. I hope we can get back to some sense of civility. I mean, I kind of miss the grace that Obama showed, you know? Yeah. And the class, I mean, and mm-hmm. like the presidential, but I know it's a cliche, everybody's sick, you know, oh, I know, but I don't know. I, it's such a cluster. It's a whole, cluster, yeah, yeah. It really is. It, it's, I, I think the, the two-party system is just such yep. a facade. It's like, why are there only two, like, why was like all of America stuck between mm-hmm. bad, two, and bad. bad, bad, and bad? Like, yeah. you know, why, why, why do we only have two options? Like, right. Just, right. <clears throat> so I think that kind of dashes a little bit of hope for my generation. The environment thing also does. You know, though, you are the biggest voting population. You know, your age are like 18 to 44, I believe. I could be wrong. It could be 18 to 50 or 48 or something. Mm-hmm. But is the biggest voting. Is so it? pretty soon all the rich old white dudes are going to die, you know, and yeah. they're already becoming a minority. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, they're the ones with money. Like, I had this kid in my class who'd be an awesome politician. You know, yep. he's got heart, he's got guts, he's smart. And he's like, I don't have the money to do that. Like, there's this idea that to run, mm-hmm. you have to have all this money behind you. So your normal good guy, how can he get ahead? Or woman. And it's it's it's... I don't think it's a bad apple thing. I think it's a bad apple barrel. So even if you wanted, if you had complete good intentions for everything, I feel like even that mentality of having the best intentions kind of holds you back from mm-hmm. climbing the ranks in politics because it's so corrupt. And mm-hmm. It's just so blatantly corrupt. It's just in your face how corrupt it is. It's just like, oh, they took a million-dollar donation from this company or this guy took a million to, to this party. It's like, how is that not bribing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're donating to a certain politician and you don't care how they vote? There's no there's no fallback for that. If the NRA right. donated a million dollars to some politician and he voted anti-gun policy, there'd be zero fallback? Like, right. Right. Is it really a donation? Right. Yeah. <clears throat> makes sense. So did you grow up in this area? I grew up in California until sixth grade. Yep. yep. Wait, what part of California? Uh, Burbank. It's off of LA. Oh wow. I lived in between a Mexican Armenian ghetto. Wow. And um, what are you? What is your nationality? Um, I'm half Mexican and then Polish Hungarian. And Polish Hungarian. I think I have Cherokee in there too. My mom said <clears throat> I was Cherokee, but I don't, I'm not totally sure. I don't know a lot about Did my family. Did you know that Louis is Mexican and Hungarian? Yes. Oh yes, yes. I knew. Isn't that crazy? Oh, is he he's Hungarian? Mexican and Hungarian. Oh. So he's why he's so funny. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know a lot about my family history because, like, everyone, including my mom, and that side of the family is either passed away or just not around. And then my dad's side of the family lives in California, and I don't talk to him either. My only real blood family is like my sister. So I guess I could take like a 23andMe kind of thing. And, uh, so you, your mom is gone? Yeah, yeah. She passed away a couple years ago. Sorry. Wow. She, right. she must have been young. Um, yeah, I guess like 40, 40 something. Wow. Yeah, it, was a, yeah. it was a rough time, complicated time, but. Yeah. Well, I like being a surrogate mom. Mm. I, I love you, Richie. Oh, I, I love fell you too, in love Kathy. with you when I met you. Oh, did you? I, um, Ashley and Nate something. I know you through Ashley and Nate. Wasn't it a party in Beloit? Okay. Well, I met you through Ashley and Nate. Yeah, yeah. Was it a party at our house? It was. I don't know if that's when I met you. It might have been. I think I you did. came to our house. Did yep, you come yep. To our house? I, I did come to your house for a party. Yeah, yep. yep. <clears throat> and I've had a few parties at my house. I have one a couple weeks ago. I gotta have you next time. Um, but 
Then I saw you at, where did I see you at? Oh, uh, Vicky Lynn's Benefit. Yes, Vicky Lynn. Yep, yep, yeah, Vicky yeah, Lynn. she's, she's a sweetheart. I love Vicky Lynn. And, um, but I don't know, I just really, I, lo- I, I don't know, I love you. Oh, I appreciate yeah. that. I'm love a firm too. believer, too, like, in family is, real family is chosen, I feel like. I feel like it's not it having to do with blood. I know, you know, I can't underrate. I know it's, it's hard. If you, I'm sure not having your mom, nothing to replace it. But, I mean, can I even argue Jesus said that? Okay? There was this one of my favorite parts of the scriptures that disciples are saying, you got to go to that town. Your, your mom and dad are there. Mm-hmm. And he goes, who is my mother and father? Who is my brother and sister? It's he who does the will of God. Yeah. And if the will of God, which I believe, is to love people... Mm-hmm. Um, I have some family, you know, me like my mom, you know, I, yep, yep. Gosh, I haven't talked to her in five years, you know, so it's like, but I have Lady Jolly up at the top of the hill, hilltop. Yep, yep. Mother's me, you know, she's my mama, you know, yep, I have yep. another lady, she's my mama. I mean, I'm blessed with family all the time, but it's not necessarily blood, you know what I mean? See, yeah, see, I, I like that quote, and I, I really appreciate, love that quote, because even back to my mom passing away, that was kind of like a... I was kind of put in a position in life with like a lot of existential suffering. So it's just like every waking moment is just like, what's the point of life? It's just pure pain, like all the time. Or what's the point of life where you you grew up and you know, I, you know, not to speak ill of the dead, but like she wasn't mentally the healthiest person in the world, and she was really angry, and, and a lot of the suffering she had, she, she put on me, so it's like, is this really life? It's like, I grow up with this person, and then nothing gets fixed, and then she, you know, goes and dies, and yeah. leaves me with all this, you know, pain and suffering, like, it's so unfair, kind of thing, and, uh, you know, I think she, she, she definitely tried her best, and she, you know... I know people in a lot worse situations, not just like, oh, their parents were so much worse on them and they destroyed them, but almost like their parents were too good to them. Mm, absolutely. And they're just so... I think that's one of the worst parts of our generation. There's just so many, like, spoiled people that just don't get it. Like, yeah, they can't function. Or it, it just drives me crazy. I know people that, like, yell at their parents and disrespect their parents or just like, oh, they didn't do this or they didn't do that. And it was just like, well, you don't know what it's like. I'd be like... Fuck, if I had a mom like that, I'd fucking... But maybe I would only have that gratitude because I grew up with the mom I had. I, I don't know how I would feel if I had your... I always feel like being a mom was the crowning thing of my life because I wasn't close to my mom. Yeah. So I wanted to do it different. Mm-hmm. And I imagine after hearing you and seeing how you're so intentional and deliberate, if you ever have a child someday, you'd be a really kick-ass mom. Oh, thank you. you know, because you, you, you know how not to do it. Yeah. Not so to do you it. have a good blueprint on... See, yeah. This is what I don't do. I like that. My family never taught me, uh, taught me, there were never good examples, but they were great warnings, you know, great warning signs of just kind of what happens when you, there's just a lot of lack of self-awareness, so I try to be as self-aware as possible. You can only be so self-aware. I think that is the key to life. I don't mean to sound cliche, but self-awareness is the key to life, because if I'm self-aware, then I can self-correct. If I'm yep. self-aware, I can take an honest look and go, oh my gosh, why did I do that? Oh, I did that because of this. Okay, go tell that person you're sorry because it wasn't them. Yep. My relationships are better. My job is better because I can look at my performance and go, wow, I need to do better. Yeah. But if I'm not self-aware, it's always everybody else and I'm projecting mm-hmm. my own crap on everybody else and I'm never taking responsibility for anything. Exactly. So being self-aware is the key to being mature. Mm-hmm. It's the key to having a healthy relationship. 
and it's like I know many people my age that are not self-aware. Oh, and yeah. you're 25, and mm-hmm. you're self-aware. I mean, you at least realize the importance of it. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's to a certain so, extent. And yeah, I, I appreciate that. That's that's one. Well, I mean that. I mean, compliment I take. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's. I don't, I don't know that, that self-aware thing. It's, I guess people are so hard on themselves. Like I'm so used to being hard on myself. I can I can mm-hmm. look at myself and be like, and, and I'm too hard on myself too much. It's like I, I have a, I like a year ago, I was okay. So I'm 195. Oh yes, please. Thank you. Thank you. So even if I look at myself like a year ago. Um, or, like, I look at myself now, I'm like, oh, I have this problem, I have that problem, I have this problem, I have that problem. But, like, right now I'm, like, 195, I'm, like, 200 pounds. A year ago, I was 155, you know. I was working at a job, I was third shift, I only had Wednesday, Thursday nights. I didn't see any of my friends, I didn't see any of my family. I was still dealing with, like, the trauma of, like, my mom, you know, being dead. I just wasn't eating, I wasn't sleeping. It was just, like, super bad. And it was just, like, not just, like... It was just a bad, bad life. And I didn't realize how bad my work was. Like, I didn't have any people, air quote, like, my family kept, oh, you need to work at the post office. You need, I worked at the post office, you know, like, you need to work there, you need to work there, you need to work there. So I'm having these people who, I'm sure their intentions were good, but they did, they just didn't know me. They weren't around in my life. They didn't take my they work They just assumed that would give you security, it'd be a yeah. good place to get into. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They didn't see how... Like what your gifts and talents and things are. Yeah, they, yeah. Didn't, they didn't care about like right. stand-up or how I felt about fit or that I wasn't sleeping or that I wasn't eating and it was just my problem and I just need to suck it up. So after I left that job, literally I gained like 20 pounds in like two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then, it was, which doesn't, not not like fat, I'm not clearly not fat, but no, like, it was right. just, yeah, it was healthy. so underweight that yeah. my, as soon as I started sleeping and eating, like I got my appetite back, you know, I started yeah. sleeping, I started being a lot happier, so I started seeing the sun, so like, I guess I'm kind of hitting a point of gratitude, like as bad as I feel now, it's like, well a year ago I was in literal hell, like yeah. actual hell, like physical, yeah. mental, yeah. emotional hell. Yeah. Um, but you took those steps and changed your life. Did you quit the post office? Yeah, yeah, I did. I left. Yeah? And did you become a bartender then, or had you already known how to be a bartender? No, I, uh, so I left the post office last year, uh, got a job in Janesville where I work at a millwork, uh, build cabinets, and then I got a pizza job too. And then, um, like four months ago, I got a part-time job as a bartender, and then I just liked it so much, and I had such a good time, and they liked me there, so I just quit my other jobs and started bartending, and it was it was the first time I ever felt like I had a skill yeah. that was like a commodity, because yeah. I'm like, oh, my relationship building skills, like, they're useful here, my charisma skills are useful here, yeah. and then it was the first job I ever had where it's like I didn't feel like I was working, mm-hmm. like I get tired at the end of the day, but it's not like I'm looking at the clock every 10 minutes, it's yeah. not like, and then I kind of realized my genetic output or just how I'm wired is like I need social interaction. Yeah, to, you're an extrovert. To stay, yeah, I definitely. You gain that energy. Yep, yep, I, I, I get the energy from it. Yep, and it like I feel, I feel good. Like yeah. there's like so many different stories and I meet so many yeah. different people and then I started working there and that, that schedule allowed me to do stand-up comedy more. So I'm, I'm really in a good spot. It's like, oh, well, I got a hole in my tire. And it's, it's, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, freak out about that or I don't have as much money as I yeah. should have. Yeah, yeah. I'm That's still, beautiful. I'm, I'm still doing it. Yeah, and when, I think when you're doing the right thing, like, I didn't ever tend to be a professor, but I love it. I love, love, love it. I never think, 
Oh, I gotta go to work today. I mean, you're tired. You have days when you don't want to drive. I drive to yeah. Whitewater. It's 45 minutes, but it's like I, I love it. I love my life. I, am I rich? No, you know. But I love living life, and I love waking up every day. Yeah. And that's worth a lot of money. There's people that have more money than God, and they do not want to wake up every day. It, it's so cliche, and I think there's okay, definitely. Like, let's say I had a kid right now, and I needed yeah. the money. Yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. Get a factory job. I yeah. need to do that. But yeah. that's kind of bearing the cross. You know, that's right. the whole right. You know, when you're a child, you, you do childish things. Yeah. You're an adult. Yeah. I do that. Maybe if I was put in a situation, yeah, I'd suck it up and yeah. go for it. And then maybe when I'm afforded to it, do something else. But right now, I, like, I'm able to take the risk. You get to enjoy this. This is a time in your life you're supposed to do things you want to do. Exactly. Yeah. And then, so so even like with my mom dying, like it, it, it sucked. And it was like years of suffering and a lot of not good stuff happened back then. But it's... It's, it's almost a empowering to a point because it's like that's my reference point for suffering. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, oh, can't I, get worse than that. Like literally, I remember thinking as I was quitting my other job, I'm like, what's the worst that happens? I remember I woke up one morning and I'm like, I don't want to fucking work here. And I'm like, yeah. well, what's the worst thing that happens? Well, I sleep in my car at Walmart for like a month and I'm like, it's not that bad. I don't know. I can live with that. <laughs> I can live, I'm not gonna die. Or anything. It's yeah, not the worst, yeah, yeah. the worst, worst thing in the world. Yeah, and then I, I didn't even, I didn't have to do that. I didn't, yeah. Because you'd already experienced the worst thing. Yeah, I already experienced yeah. like the absolute. You know, yeah, I got you. Maybe not the the worst, but it was something so bad that you know. It's, it's, it's probably where a lot of immaturity comes from. Yeah. Yeah. The the trauma. I think that's where. Unfortunately, that's kind of how you have to grow up, I feel, yeah. to a certain extent, is you need a certain level of suffering or a certain yeah. level of trauma. And that's the must be the difficult thing of a parent. Mm-hmm. You don't want your kid to suffer. You don't want your kid mm-hmm. to be traumatized. But at the same time, like, at least in my position, I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, you can teach people lessons and discipline and this and that, but like true character building, I think it just has to be forged through the fires of Absolutely. suffering. You can't, you can't stop it. You can't avoid it. Um, Absolutely. That's so true. Wow. Yeah. Something I wanted to touch mm-hmm. back on, yeah. um, conversation kind of stemmed off from, <clears throat> that I really liked and was really touching quote I appreciated was um, the one where you talked about uh, someone telling Jesus to, what was it about going to another town with your mother and father? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> so the disciples, I don't know which gospel it's in, but they say, you need to go to this town, this is where your parents are. Mm-hmm. And he says, who is my mother and father? Yeah. Who is my brother and sister? It's he who does the will of God. Yep. So it was like, to me, it was like, the people that understand love and can give love and want to love me and let me love them, that's my family. Yeah. Um, and I am blessed with some blood family like that, but I have some that don't give a crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I can whine about, you know, in our culture, it's like all about, you know, your family, you know, yep, your yep. blood family. But there is such a support system that we find in our friends and I just saw an article on Facebook yesterday talking about Friendsgiving is becoming the alternative to Thanksgiving yep. and I imagine especially now in our polarized political time like some of my students they're like I'm going to shut up over Thanksgiving I can't say what I think feel about religion or politics or anything else because it just it'll yep. go up the rails and they're dreading it already yeah, yeah. okay where Friendsgiving you're like hey Richie you know blah 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 I fucking yeah. hate Trump no I don't you don't do it blah 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 and it's like whatever it doesn't matter. I love you. You love me. Oh, that's what you think about that? Interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think friends are able to do that more because there's not the expectation. But I love that Jesus even didn't feel that loyalty to his blood family. Yeah. That's what it struck me out of it. Well, there's that saying, uh, 
blood is thicker than water. But what I heard the whole saying was like, blood of the covenant is thicker than water of the womb. So it's just the people mm. that you affiliate with. Oh, which is like almost the opposite. Yeah, it's like literally the yeah the, the, the exact yeah. opposite. Yeah. And one problem I've had, especially growing up, and you know, I guess like I, you know, you, I always try to figure out what's kind of wrong. I, I love psychology and I love therapy. I'm a big advocate of therapy. I'm a big. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's way too big of a stigma with therapy. Absolutely. And what I didn't like is I grew up and I'm like, oh, well, you know, I want to go to therapy, and all my friends would be like, no, don't go, don't go, and it's like they never went to it or they don't know anything about it, or like they, there's just a weird stigma with therapy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people, it's like a doctor, you know? It's, it's a mental health thing. And like, yeah, are there some fucked up therapists out there that will make it worse? Absolutely. But you take your car to a mechanic and he messes it up, are you never gonna go to another mechanic again? If you go to a doctor and they mess mm-hmm. something up, are you gonna go to no doctor ever again? Mm-hmm. Like, it, that just doesn't make sense. I wish there was a, no, it's great more, more acceptance for that. So. I guess growing up, what was a difficult thing for me was, like, I didn't have a good family, so I had these people who said they loved me, but they didn't do loving things. They didn't act in a loving way. They, didn't, they almost held it over my head. It's like, you have to forgive me because I'm family. You have to forgive me. So I had this weird concept of love. It's like, what's, what does it even mean? It's a really toxic thing. And, um, you know, my dad always told me growing up, he's like, don't trust your friends, don't trust your friends, don't trust your friends. He's like, they don't want anything good for you. They're going to, you know, abandon you. And that's his upbringing, and that was, un- unfortunately, the life he had, which, you know, almost like right now, I'm kind of having a revelation here. No pun intended. But, like, I was always bitter about that. I'm like, why would you tell me that? And like, but now I almost understand, like, oh, you don't know any better. Like, that was just your life. And now I'm almost a little more empathetic, where it's like, I have such good friends. Like, make sure we're still going. I think we are. You have friends you've known from, yep, sixth grade, seventh grade. Yeah, so my dad would always say, don't ever trust your friends, which kind of leaves a, kind of fucked me up a little bit, I think, kind of made my self-worth low, because it's like, oh, no one really loves me, Mm -hmm. kind of thing, like, hearing that for, like, literally your entire life. Makes you mistrust the people around you, kind of? Yeah, exactly, and he is my dad, so he had a level Mm -hmm. of influence, but now, even, like, as bitter as I am for that, I'm almost empathizing right now because like I have such good friends now I could throw a Friendsgiving and I've known friends since 6th grade 7th I've known friends longer than half my life like I met my friend Brandon when I was 11 I'm 25 now I've known him for 14 years I've known my friend Nate since 7th grade I've known him for 13 years my buddy Dalton known him since 9th grade I've known him for 11 years and like these are still friends I talk to now I, you know mm-hmm. my buddy Dalton we do comedy together it's like mm-hmm. they're real family and they're real real friends like we will be together forever or be in our lives together forever but my dad never had that yeah he just doesn't have that and right yeah. now I'm almost just like that kind of sucks I don't know yeah so now you even feel bad for him that he didn't get that opportunity yeah it's like that Louie thing where he right, meets the kid right, and then he right. goes to his house and he's right. like oh well fuck that I don't have some dude smacking right. me in the face yeah. every day so yeah. but that's the beauty of religion it's like I wouldn't have come to this Conclusion: If we didn't have, if we we didn't delve into this this rabbit hole of of, of talking about love and talking about suffering and what yeah. it means, but uh, I just guess to kind of wrap up is just like I guess it can be confusing growing up with family members who are like I love you, I love you, I love you, but they don't act that way. So it's like love is a verb. Love, love it, it is a verb, and there's it's so it's such a unlimited, such a vague word too. I guess that's where it can be confusing. And then you're in a relationship and it's like, I love you, but it's like, I don't want to say it because it'll be weird. Or like someone says it too early and then it gets weird. Or even like your, your dude friends, like, I love you, bro. Just, yeah. Or even stuff like that. Yeah. So. Hmm. 
I love you, Reggie. Oh, I love you, Kathy. You're awesome. You're the best. This is fun. I hope people appreciate this. I think this is great, even though you're going to hear back noise. It's still going to be fun. So, thanks, buddy. Anything else? Yes, there is. Um, oh, yeah, something else. There is. Uh, do you have time? Or yeah, we have time. Wrap, wrap it up? Because I no. took a couple notes from your... Um, yeah. I guess... Uh, so... I think that's cute. You took notes from my podcast. So one quote you did have was mm-hmm. you did the best you could mm-hmm. with the toolbox you had. And yeah. I, and you, you talk about how religion was good for you, so you took your kids to this church mm-hmm. and you exposed them to this and that. And then mm-hmm. the guy was like, well, if you're not totally sure, why would you do that? Or the feeling of yeah. a son feeling betrayed, like, why yeah. would you do this to me? Why would you do this to me? Mm-hmm. But... Um, kind of like, you know, my mom was really tough on me and my dad told me not to trust anybody and like, yes, those are toxic things, but at the same time it's, they were working with the toolkit yeah. they had. Did that help you understand? It did. I thought, I, thought, I thought it was it was a good perspective and I thought mm-hmm. it was... Um, mm-hmm. And at the time, I really thought we were doing the best thing. Like, I really thought what we were saying was the truth mm-hmm. and a lot of it, I still believe, I think, you know what I mean? I mean, it's hard to defend some of it, but... Obviously, we evolved a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. but as we evolved, we took our kids with us. It's not like, and I never once beat them with the Bible or said God didn't love them. Or, I mean, some people have been brutally abused by religion, yep. you know, so I would never have let that happen to them. Mm-hmm. So um, another thing you said is um, you felt like religion kind of um, made your dad um, Code, do you know what codependency Yeah, is? yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I've heard, there's like different, defi- I heard a different definition because some people say codependency is um, needing someone all the time, right? Like you're codependent, you need someone, you know, kind of that. But my definition of codependency that I heard was you feel responsible for how other people feel. Absolutely. Like taking responsibility for somebody else's happiness. Yep, yep. That's the so to me, when you go into the ministry, and me and my first husband were in the ministry at a very young age, like younger than you, okay? And it was our job to bring Jesus, and Jesus would like fix your life, okay? Mm-hmm. So like, and he would touch this, he would heal that, he would do this, he would do that. I had very clear ideas. And then I would put my life out there to such an extent. Mm-hmm. Like today, my dad's not here because he's working with a heroin addict that wants to do heroin, okay? Yep. And they're on their last leg. And it's like, there's nothing you can do with that. But the ministry, when you're in the ministry, you don't really think rationally sometimes. You think, oh, I have to because I might be the only Jesus they see and I have to take responsibility for this and I have to be Jesus with skin on and No, I think I can tell you God loves you, wants a better life for you. I think you should want a better life for yourself. But in the end, it's up to you. Mm -hmm. Go to a meeting. And if you don't want to go to that meeting and you die in a gutter, I'm sorry. I do believe there's a loving God that will receive you in the end, no matter how bad our life is. No matter how screwed up we are, if God is real, Richie, I believe he's there at the end to hold us and bring us home. Yeah. I totally, if he's real, he's got to be that good, or I'll go to hell with everybody else, okay? But my my dad, you know, he's almost cursed with too much love, and like, oh, I'll help you, I'll help you, let me help you, let me find a place for you, let me do this, let me do this, and I'm like, I'm never going to work harder than you at making your life work. 
You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, sometimes yeah. people need to be picked up because they're bottom, right? And yeah. you've got to baby step them. Mm-hmm. But not everybody all the time because of, you know what I mean? Yeah, you can only help those who, who help themselves. In some you know? ways, yeah. And I think it's almost egotistical to think, and it's, but you see this with like a lot of young people, especially young people in relationships. They'll find someone and they'll be like, oh, they're a good person inside. They're just hanging around bad people or they just grew up in a bad... I can fix them. There's oh, like, I know. It is egotistical. There's like Because you feel special yep, yep. you save the world. Yep, exactly. I was that person for many yep. years. It's an assholery. Yeah. Uh, 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 it's being nice, but... There's almost a cynical, like, I'm being, you know, I'm going to save it's you. a little narcissistic. little n- narcissistic, yeah. exactly. And it's yeah. like, you, you can't take someone who's been damaged for two decades. And then, just, I used to be that. I used to be that. You know, I heard this one good quote. He was just like, young people want to change the world, but they try to do it by changing other people. Yeah. When yeah. you change the world by changing yourself. It's well, like, old people do that, too. You know? of, yeah, it's, you, you, you can't save everyone. Yeah. But how I related to your dad's story of, of uh, almost being codependent and, religion almost holding him back in a certain extent is kind of my dad was very religious he had a religious like revelation like 10 years ago and I feel like how religion kind of held him back is he was all about like faith and prayer and love and it's like I would have issues with him about him not being around or not addressing certain he'd be like oh you have to get rid of the hate in your heart and you just have to love and you have to forgive your brother and you have to forgive me and like maybe that's kind of what he got out of religion but like nothing ever happened. Mm-hmm. He didn't do anything. He was he never there for me. He didn't take responsibility. Yeah. And he was just Those like, words. as long as you just love and like he would post stuff on Facebook, like going for a walk and having a talk with God. And it's like, that's not, I'm not even religious. It's like, you're not supposed to do, you're not supposed to brag about what no one else is talking with God. You, you got yeah. you got a reservation with him on this yeah. walk. Like, what is it, like what would that mean? Like what you're just telling the world that like, your religion and he was an AA, so he was completely sober. And that might be part of the reason why I drink so much, because I'm like, fuck sobriety. I don't know. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. like, I'll be sober, and then I'll be like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just weird weird stuff. And I've been to AA, and I like AA in a lot of ways, and there's some groups that are good, but you get a lot of people in Alcoholic Anonymous who are just like, if you're not sober and you drink, you're, you know, you're a piece of shit. The only way to live a good life is to be sober and not drink. But like, no one talks to them, and they don't have any family. and like That's like almost like they're... Like a pedestal they sit on, like yeah. I don't drink and I'm religious, yeah. so I'm yeah. I'm an ideal yeah. human being, and I think that's uh, peop- some people get lost in that concept of religion. Does that make sense? Absolutely. The, the, the and sometimes people in AA because they can't afford to just have one drink. Some of them they mm-hmm. can't, or they'll go off their. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean everybody's like that. No. I never drank my whole life until I got in my 40s. My kids, I never raised them with alcohol, and now. We drink. When we're together, we drink. We have the best parties. We have a good time. We, we socially use alcohol. And yeah. It's fun. Um, is it good for everybody? Are there people that shouldn't drink? Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. Are there times have I ever drank too much? I, I have, you know. Um, and it, and uh, I think it's really a relationship with drugs, and it's really a relationship with it. There's, there's yeah. a, a weird co... Uh, there's a there, there's your physical relationship with drugs, and then there's the, the mental emotional relationship with drugs. So the physical one is just like literally your body's just programmed to drink an alcohol, all the time, yeah. right? So yeah. alcohol withdrawals are just like your Jones and Four, your Jones and yeah. Four, or yeah. just like that's how you deal with like stress and stuff. So your body begins to get stressed, so its immediate reaction is yeah. yearning for alcohol, yearning for a joint, or yearning for a cigarette. There's yeah. the physical, then there, then there's like the mental reaction to it, where it's just like. 
um, you know, you feel sad or you feel a- anxious or you this feel is gonna make me depressed, feel better. make me feel better, yeah. or like yeah. this is part of my identity. I'm a pot smoker, I'm yeah. a drinker. Yeah. There's yeah. the social pressures yeah. to it yeah. too. So I feel like those things have to do with with, with, with people's drugs. And uh, Russ, do, do you ever listen to Russell Brand? Yes, I love Russell I, Brand. I love Russell oh, Brand. He's yeah. like, the, the cure to addiction is connection. I yeah. love that. I yeah. love, and then that's, yeah. and what I'm talking about, when people get drunk and they, they're yeah. like, I love you, I love yeah. you. It's yeah. like the, yeah, if we could do that sober, it would be a beautiful world. It right? would be. Yeah. It would be. It would, yeah. it would be, be very good. Russell Brand is intelligent beyond, like, sometimes he'll say things and I have to just stop my car, and pod, mm-hmm. you know, I have to stop the podcast and, Rewind or ghost. I pulled over and set it into my phone because I yep. didn't want to forget that. It was like really powerful. I, uh, I read his book, uh, The Recovery. Was it? Mm. I think it's just called. I think it's just called Recovery. Yeah. With Russell Brand. He kind of breaks down the ten steps of um, AA. Yeah. And makes them into kind of more um, digestible, more uh, yeah. an easier way of just kind of understanding the steps, which I yeah. like. The first rule. It was it? First rule is acceptance, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just understanding you have a problem, understanding you don't have the tools to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I forget. There's a lot of it, but, but it yeah. hits a lot of like spiritual points of just like yeah. forgiveness and taking inventory and like yeah. Realizing. I think AA works. But it does. Well, research shows it works better than anything. Yeah. Okay. A Christian programs or anything. Okay. A Christian rehab. They don't have the success rate of AA. But I think part of it is it forces you to take your res- take responsibility. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it tells you to like you said tells you to make amends. Yes, well, thank you. Play yep. Yeah. Thank you. But the best thing I think about it is um, you have to tell the truth in AA. No bullshit. Yeah. Right. So if you go to a meeting and you go, oh yeah, it was a great week. I had no problems. Everything's great. Bullshit. If somebody knows differently, they're gonna call you out. I know you're not supposed to interrupt people, but you're not. You don't go there to bullshit. You go yeah, there yeah. to tell the truth. Yep. And I always think that would be the perfect church. Mm-hmm. You go there. First of all, a church would have you open 24/7, or there's a meeting every day. Yeah, yeah. Second of all, there's a mentor, somebody you could call in the middle of the night. Third of all, you go there and tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I fucked up last week. Yeah. Most people are just gonna freak that you said fuck. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. not gonna oh. care what you fucked up about. Or yeah. how it affected your family, or if you beat your wife, or, oh, but why did you say fuck? Wait a minute, why is that even the issue? The issue was, I fucked up last week. Oh, but our religious mindset prevents us from being that real and that authentic. Yeah, yeah, because then you you don't want to be chastised and criticized. Yeah. And, and I love that AA, you get to say your five minutes, and I can't interrupt and go, well, I'll pray for you, brother. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, you shouldn't think that way. or you sh- yeah, I can't yeah. do that. Mm-hmm. I have to just let, a minute, we're growing a new path for awesome. you. I have, Thank to, you. I have to let you be you. Yeah. I can't I, I can't just give a Band-Aid on everything. I think that's beautiful. Yeah, I, 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 I love that, and I like how it gives people a platform to speak, and there's like-minded people to, to a certain yeah. extent. The issue I have with being young with AA is like they're all old people. Yeah. Or they're all, like I said, like yeah. it, it, it's hard to, I think people just kind of sub, at least me in my life, you know, I, I love jujitsu, I love, you know, MMA. That's kind yeah. of like a church. Yeah, yeah. I, I go there, there's people of all ages, we're all there to help each other and support each other and, yeah. you know, blood, sweat, and tears kind of thing. We, we talk, you know, I have heart to hearts with people. I, I don't see, I, I literally, maybe I see them two or three times a year, you know, mm-hmm. we come across each other, we have heart to hearts, blah, 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 but we're all, we have that unity of being at the gym. Stand up comedy, there's that. 
there's that unity of being comics. To just we we call non-comic civilians for, for yeah, a reason. Yeah, yeah, We're just yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. civilians. It's, yeah. Because they don't get like how hard it can be. Like yeah. the, the fucking when when you. I can't think of anything. Hard. Crush a show. When you yeah. crush a show, there's no better feeling. I'll literally be buzzing for like three days. There's yeah. no better high. Yeah. Than when I just crush a gig. But there's no lower low. When it, when it when, just doesn't yeah. turn out how you want. You yeah. Just eat shit. You just bomb. Yeah. That's always that's always the worst. It doesn't turn out, but you have this group of like-minded people. Yeah. And then when you're on stage, it's almost like an out-of-body experience too. Like you know, there's a weird thing that had I've had times where I've gone on stage and then I come off stage and I'm like, did I say this? Did I say this? Like what what happened? Like you almost you almost yeah. black out sometimes. Yeah. It's like watching a movie, and when you get to higher levels of stand-up, you're able to like perform your act. Yeah. And almost watch it like a movie, and then yeah. have a second tier of like thought in your back of your head, like, oh, making eye contact here, Analyzing how's the crowd reacting there? Yeah, Did yeah, someone yeah. say something there? Should wow. I derail my autopilot and adjust to? So that's almost a form of church. And like you said, the bar is almost yeah. another form of church. But the thing is, like, would you be able to almost have like a pseudo church where you're just like, hey, we're gonna get together and we're gonna talk about love and forgiveness and all like the, the good things and do, do you know what I mean is that yeah. something you could do like a like a meetup is yeah. that yeah like, well what possible? I used to do I used to bring something every Sunday morning I, I honestly I would just ask God give me something a piece of a verse a piece of a word a mantra anything to go with and I went with one thing and then everybody just contributed I had a pagan go I had atheists go my husband was an atheist when he went Adam yeah. was an atheist and um um yeah, it went great. And just people sharing their life, mm-hmm. just saying, what's going on with you this week? That can be church. This is church. Yeah. You know, this it's just honest, real conversation. I've been to many church services that really weren't church. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to some dude talk and hear himself mm-hmm. talk or listening to, you know, not always. It wasn't always in a horrible situation or a bad, you know, experience. But I've been where it wasn't real and it wasn't authentic and it didn't make sense and it didn't feed me. And I think that's why your generation doesn't go either. Like, you don't feel the obligation anymore. You don't live in mom and dad's house anymore. It's not a rule. And it's like, why am I wasting my time? I have this much time. Life is so stressful. Unless it feeds me, I'm not going. Yeah. It should be something that draws you back, you know? Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't draw you, then... Yeah, it's like, it's like, why? Why? You have other things to do. There's other ways you'd rather spend your time. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, that's a weird... I don't know, that's an interesting social concept. I, I, yeah, like I said, I, I feel like my generation or even society is in like a weird like preteen stage right now it's like what are we what's what's we normal yeah. what's what's not normal it's like church yeah. is being le- less and less well if you let go of religion say and you're letting go of the church but yeah you don't want to let go of connection what does that look like you know and yeah. um i know i've thought lately you know um in lieu of the diverse people i know mm-hmm. so if i was to start up something again what would we call what would it look like um I think it would be, you know, a lot of what's your high point of your week? What's the low point of your week? Anybody have a low point they want to share? Mm -hmm. Some cool music, something that just brings us together and let people be 100% them. If you're a Christian and you say Jesus, don't freak out, everybody. If you're not a Christian, you should be able to stand up and go, I really don't believe Jesus is real or existed, but I'm here today because I love you guys, and that would be cool. Mm -hmm. If you're a Jew, you're like, yeah, Jesus might have been here, but yeah, I don't care. You know, if you're a Muslim, I mean, why not? Yeah. 
Yeah, whatever. Yeah. 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 Awesome, thank you. So, just, just human beings acknowledging. Just the connection and, the, and having community. I think that is one thing that is missing, and the church provided was community and structure. So something, another thing um, I've kind of seen, especially being a live performer, something I've t taken note to is just like, there's so much like at home entertainment, people mm -hmm. just yeah. aren't influenced to get out. Right. Like, yeah. and, th and there's like this treadmill I see, and I'm, I'm biased here because I don't, I don't watch TV, I don't watch movies. I know I sound like one of those assholes bragging about it, but no. I, I really need to watch more TV and movies. I, yeah. I'm almost going crazy just because it's like, I can't relate to people sometimes, and I just feel like it would help my comedy. Anyway, so one thing I've noticed just kind of sitting on the outside is like there's this weird, Treadmill. It's there's this one show, and then there's the next show, and then mm. there's this movie. There's like what? There's like 25 Marvel movies, mm -hmm. and you got to catch up. And if you're into it, you got to binge watch it. I know. And then there's Game of Thrones that has eight seasons, and everyone loves that. And then there's Lost, that one show from right. 2005, and it's right. just like, especially like when I go to my family's, like my sister's house, like I'll go there to hang out, and then like everybody will be sitting around the TV, and then I'll be kind of almost like fidgeting. Just like, can we talk? Like you know, like I got a lot of stories, and then like I try to talk, and then I'm like I'm interrupting, and there's no commercials because. Binge watching, yeah, yeah, Netflix, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then it's dinner time, and then we're all yeah. sitting around the TV, and I'm like, can we, can we talk? Like, is yeah. there nothing to, yeah. to talk about? And Yeah, I think a lot of people are like that. That's probably a very common thing. And then one video game to the next video game, and then you're out, and then there's your phone. Like, I don't know, I, I just... Uh, it's all taken away from our connection. Yeah, it, it, it's superficially yeah. we're more connected, because it's like... Yeah you can technically reach people, yeah. but then back to that whole logic feelings oh, thing. You're, yeah. you're stripping away the feelings. There's no yeah. feeling. Yeah. You know, nothing makes me more mad when I'm talking to someone and they're looking right. down on their phone and they're like, oh yeah, like, and it's like, you're clearly not paying. Like, I'll stop talking to someone and they're like, oh no, you can keep talking. And it's like, no, I would rather not talk and then you finish your text and then right. we can continue to talk. I guess it's a weird societal, you know, what do you, what, what do you think, the, especially the different generations? Yeah, you know? no, I agree. And I think our generations, my generation's worse at it. I think um, in some ways, I see a lot of middle-aged women, especially at coffee shops or people talking to them and they're just all on their phones mm -hmm. and they all go out. I know a lot of people are, but it's this escape too. Mm -hmm. And for me, sometimes, you know, when I get on my phone, it is my own brain, my own, I'm scrolling, looking at what I want to look at. You know what I mean? I get the appeal of that. Mm -hmm. But I also, it's funny, gaming-wise, I do think you guys are better at, like, with the whole internet connection with the gaming. Yeah. Um, I'd gotten Adam an Xbox a few years ago, and we just use it as our council to get to everything. Yeah. But um, he got Red Dead Redemption. Okay. And um, this hippie band we're kind of parents of, Eartha Clark, they, uh, several of the members play. And so now, instead of going out, drinking with the guys sometimes, <laughs> they just send texts, hey, it's a little horse, like, get on your horse, you know? And so, and I'll hear Adam in there, and he's got his headphones on, and he's like, dude, I just killed your horse, I'm so sorry, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And they're like, they're laughing, and I can hear them, they're all playing mm -hmm. together. Yep, yep. All their wives are happy that they're not all out drinking yeah, together, yeah. they're safe at home, they're having fun. Um, that's been pretty fun, cute to see my 46-year-old to be husband just really yeah. enjoying that. But again, he is connecting with people, you know? Yeah, there, there is good. And yeah. Just like with the religion, you can't throw the baby out of the bathwater and right. say, oh, all video games are bad or all right. technology. It's literally magic. Right. 
magic. 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, if yeah. I showed you a, a smartphone yeah. or even talked about it, you'd be like, shut the fuck up, that's yeah. magic. Like, you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there are always good things about that. And one thing I had, especially, and I beat myself up over this because I had a, you know, everyone has their own story, you know, their own tragedy and whatnot. Mine was like after high school, I regressed. Regressed, regression's really scary when you see, because, you know, when you're a kid, you get better at things and get better at things and better at things, but the, to a sudden, suddenly get worse at everything, it's a scary, scary thing. So after I turned 18, I, I had this weird delusion of, I talked about my family issues before, but like this weird idea of family, and then it really became apparent that my family like was dysfunctional. You know, I moved out when I was 18 just to kind of live at my house, and then my best friend I knew since sixth grade, Brandon, went to the military. My girlfriend of four years broke up with me. My dog died. My mom did this shitty thing. My brother did these shitty things. It's just stopped going to jiu-jitsu, stopped doing stand-up. My car broke down, just, you know, started smoking weed and drinking all the time. Just physically just, you know, got out of shape, was less funny, was less smart, was less focused. Just everything dipped down, and that was kind of just like a low, low point. And um, I don't play games anymore just because, one, I'm just absolutely addicted like the, I've done a lot of drugs and my computer is the most addicting thing I've ever done wow. you know yeah. I've done a lot of drugs but I've yeah. never done a drug and sat down for 12 hours straight right, right. and stared at a screen right. so yeah but like at the time I spent just like years just there's a game called League of Legends and I just all I did yeah. just escaped just yeah. totally just ditched my friends to play League just like was late to work to play league didn't see family to play league and I kind of looked at that as such like a bad bad time in my life but now I kind of look back and it was like that was kind of all I had to a certain extent like even though I felt like it was so toxic like I didn't do anything I should have done other stuff but like I had like 30 friends online every time I put my headset on there was someone who was like hey buddy blah 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 that was my connection kind of your church yeah it was uh, yeah a little bit kind of like my church and we'd play a game and I had my role and they had their role and like you know I was this character you could control that you knew what was going on exactly exactly and then I I even though like and I remember it's uh so they rank it there's like bronze, silver, gold, mm-hmm. platinum, no, diamond, master. And then our gold was just kind of like the standard, like you're the top 2% if you're in gold. And I remember just lowest point in my life, just drank all the time, just worked at a gas station. I had to move back into my really dysfunctional house, just worst time of my life. I remember hitting gold, which doesn't mean anything to the world, absolutely nothing to the world. But I trained so hard for months and I hit gold. And I was just, I started screaming. I'm on the headset with my buddy Cameron. He's laughing because he can hear a hat. I'm like literally jumping up and down my bed. I'm walking to this gas station that I fucking hate. And I hate that job. And it's the worst job I've ever had. And I have this big smile on my face. And it, it meant something. It was just like. Yeah. And it meant something to those 30 people that you were on with. Exactly. Yeah. And everyone's fucking sending me mail. Congratulations, blah, 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 and all this stuff. And it's like. You know, I guess there's like beauty in that. That is. That was really the appeal. Yeah, that that was. was you were get to, you weren't connecting to the world around you, so mm-hmm. you got to connect there. Exactly. In a way, exactly. it was like helped you not be emotionally suicidal. You know what I mean? Like you got to at least be somebody there. Yeah, it was. It was just like I don't know what I would like. Let's say I just didn't, and that's where I should just you know, as bad as my life was, I'm grateful that I did have a computer and did have. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. though I didn't. An you outlet. Know, like my parents, they let me live there for kind of cheap rent. Like I could have been homeless. I could have not had that. Kind of his perspective, Richie. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it's like even if it was really fucked up what they did, it was they still probably tried to do it the best they could. But their best was just really inept. But yeah. it was the best. They, so they, could you? 
you know, I do funerals a lot of times, and um, one thing I like to do, you know, when people die, they don't get to die, especially when they die suddenly. I don't know how your mom died. We don't need to go there. But when people die suddenly or we don't get to say goodbye, we don't get to say I'm sorry or are you sorry you hurt me, we don't get to finish anything. There's no closure, right? Yeah. And it's, that's sometimes the biggest pain. Yeah. yeah. Not knowing yeah. that, because we're all going to die, right, Richie? But yeah. going without seeing how you felt before you left, mm-hmm. you're leaving me forever and I don't get to know anything. Yeah, yeah. And there was a couple scriptures, one that um, I said that, one I always loved, it says, we see through a glass darkly. So while we're here, while we're alive, we see through like a, a dirty window. Mm-hmm. But when we die, we see face to face. And we, we know in part here. But when we die, we understand perfectly. So it's like, whatever, I, if I have to believe that if God is real, he's love. I've already said that. But if he's love and we're going to be with him, your mom, no matter what dysfunction she suffered in this life, for whatever reason, that if you totally understood, you would totally be able to forgive it. Because yeah. there's obviously reasons. Her people, her people. Right? Yeah. So whatever reason, whatever shitty things she had to do, go through in this life that made her be this certain way, when she dies, she gets it all. Mm-hmm. And she understood. And she gets it. Yeah. So therefore, if you were mad at her for a while, if mm-hmm. you were bitter, she never, she's not mad at you for that because mm-hmm. she gets why you were. Yeah. Yeah. She understands perfectly and she's not holding anything against you. So you can let go of anything you're holding against her. I really believe that that's true, if it's real. Otherwise, we just die and it's over. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I haven't died yet. I, I, I appreciate that perspective and I like it. And uh, So my mom, uh, she died because of heart complications, right? Mm. So she's in the hospital and it's not looking good. And she has a, I guess I'll, I'll give the, the full backstory. Yeah. She had a... A lot of issues. The reason why I live in Wisconsin compared to California, she had a lot of drug problems. She did a lot of meth. Mm-hmm. So she came to Wisconsin, and I got out of the meth, but there's a lot of pills out here, opiate stuff like that. So she always kind of struggled with that. And almost like a cry for help, she would OD mm-hmm. every now and then. But it was almost so common that, like, it's like, oh, she's in the hospital again because she took too many pills or blah, blah, blah. But it was kind of like, because my brother wouldn't talk to her for a while. I wouldn't talk to her for long bouts. So that was almost her cry for help. But, you know, whether it was intentional, not intentional, one night she took a bunch of pills, drank a bunch of wine, and uh, just uh, her heart just didn't, couldn't take it. And I remember going to the hospital, and um, they said they had to keep shocking her because uh, her brain was starved of oxygen, and they said it was starved for this amount of time. and. I know how the brain works. If it's starved of oxygen for a couple minutes, it, brain matter dies extraordinarily quickly. Mm-hmm. So I was like, her brain was starved eight times in a row. It's like, this is, this is over. Like, this isn't, she isn't coming out of this. Like, she isn't mm-hmm. coming back. And there's a level of guilt I had for thinking that because the rest of the family was just like, no, she's going to make it. Like, she's going to be fine, blah, blah, blah. But, like, I feel like I knew right away. So uh, remember going to the hospital and then, there was my stepdad. I we didn't. I didn't leave well with them. I didn't know how I, he felt, and then we just hugged each other. And you know, there's the whole, um, you know, the night goes on, and the doctor's coming in and out, and he's like, "Oh, well, you know," he's he's explaining it in a way I felt like he was letting it down softly, 
Like he was like, there's these complications, we're working on it, we're doing this. Then he'd come back again and the news would be a little bit worse. He would give a little bit of hope, mm-hmm. but just, I felt like he was kind of laying mm-hmm. it out softly. Just his demeanor and everything. And then I remember it was pretty much at the point where it's like, you know, it's, um, should we pull the plug? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And my mom was actually pretty aware of her mortality. She talked about it a lot. She was like, if I'm ever a vegetable, pull the plug. Like, she mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. said that a lot. Like, um, so, um, you know, my sister didn't say anything. And then my stepdad's like, what do you think? And then I was like, I said yes, like, immediately. And I was the first one to say yes. And I think part of me is because I accepted it, and part of me knew everyone knew it, but I, I felt like it was almost an unfair circumstance where it's like, you know, no one wants to say yes, and I'm, like, the youngest, but someone has to say yes at a certain point. So we all say yes, and then the doctor was pretty much like, do you want to see her before we pull the plug? And then my stepdad said, yeah, you know, and then... No one else wanted to go, and I was like, yeah, he's not going to go alone, and I have to, you know, we have to see it. And then I remember walking up to the the doors leading to the, the ER or the whatever the room was, and it was like a swinging door, and I kind of turned to my stepdad, and we give each other a hug, and he's like, just like skin and bones, man, he's just total skin and bones. And then uh, I remember walking to the hospital room, and um, like seeing my mom on the bed, and it wasn't like the movies where it's like she's laying there peacefully and then there's the mm-hmm. machines where it just beeps slowly. Mm-hmm. They had um, a contraption on her. It was like a, something that it was a chest compressor. Mm-hmm. So it was like a, a big mechanical contraption. And it was like violent and loud and there's people around her trying to keep her vitals up. And it was like I'm literally watching her like dying on a bed and she had all these wires coming. It, was, it wasn't glorious at all. And it was like a weird combination of just absolute horror. Yeah. But also, the way I describe it is, like, all the hate and all the anger and all the angst and, like, everything was just completely sucked out of the room. Mm. And it was just, like, like pure love. Like, it was just, like, pure love. It was just, like, we had a good run. And it was, like, I don't know. It was, like, like I was horrified, but at the same time, I, like, don't remember loving her more than that or, like, just feeling more love in that situation. And the frustrating thing I'm at right now is, like, of course, there's that, you know, the, there's that redemptive quality of death or when you go to heaven, all the hate goes away and all that, and I really felt it then and there. But, like, it's hard not to think of all the bad times because it's really, really easy to kind of look back and then be like, oh, well, you treated me this, you were bad in that, and to be angry about it because it hurts so much more to not be angry and just be, to, to just be sad. Like, and that's something I kind of... Because so when you're angry, you don't feel as you don't feel the sadness. You feel anger, and that's easier to process. Yeah, like it still yeah. hurts, and it's still yeah. unfair, and it's still resentful. But like it's not. The I think vulnerable. anger is more of a head thing. I mean, and then the sadness sits on your heart, and like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you carry it around. It's like this heaviness, where the anger is like, oh my god, you know what I mean? It's more of a reactionary thing. Yeah, it's an empowering yeah. feeling. It's a I was an injustice, and yeah. you know. And you can use that energy in different ways. Yeah. I won't be like that. Mm-hmm. I but don't. to sit with that sadness and let it sit with you mm-hmm. is painful. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a... mm-hmm. Wow. That's huge. Thank you for sharing that. I can't imagine. So you're the youngest. Yeah. You're the baby. Mm-hmm. Were you the closest to her, do you think? No, no, my sister definitely was. Yeah. My sister was the, yeah. the, the, the one who was 
closest to her. Yeah. Uh, I think my brother was really close to her too, but he was, uh, I don't know, he lacks the self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And uh, he didn't go to the hospital. He left. He went to the parking lot. I had to literally beg him, I'm like, mom's dying. You have to come here. And he came to the parking lot. He's like, whatever. He's like, I don't care. She's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And then he left. And then he was really ostracized by the family, by like the things he said and did after that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the family just hasn't talked to him for like three years now. And, and then uh, he's got to live with all that. Yeah, he has to live with the guilt. And That's sad. I didn't, uh, you know. And I'm sure if, if things are the way I said, I don't know, right? Yeah. But your mom would want him to live with that. Your mom would want him to let go of it. Yeah. You know, and be free. Mm-hmm. You know, and she would want the best for you, and she's probably really proud of you if she's there, you know? <laughs> That's another thing. It's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. If we die, where do we go? And uh, I don't know. You know, I've always heard we go right up to heaven, but then I've been reading lately and listening to a podcast how we, they said, no, we really wait until there's a time that comes and Jesus comes back and then our spirits go. So then, like, maybe we are just sitting around hanging out sometimes. You know, maybe your mom Mm -hmm. sees and watches. I mean, I don't think that's creepy. I think it's kind of beautiful. Yeah. Because if she's in a perfected state Mm -hmm. and is waiting someday to whatever... You know, can she see you? Can she be proud of you? Is she like on your corner? You know, yeah. mm-hmm. I kind of would like to think she is. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's a yeah, that's an interesting way of thinking of it. That's a good way, and I think you could harness, you know, maybe some positive energy if I viewed it. Yeah. That way, um, sometimes I'll dream of her, and that's something I, I hear a lot from people. I'll have mm-hmm. dreams of people mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. passed away. One thing I'm an atheist, but one thing I'm really convinced of. I had this dog, Chance, that I uh, uh, grew up with. Uh, when I moved out here, he was like my best buddy. You know, I knew him from sixth grade, and then he passed away like a couple years after high school. But he was just like, you know, dog, I loved him. And there was a lot of guilt associated with Chance because like I moved out and uh, my parents let me take him. And then I was like an alcoholic and my life fell apart. And then like, I just didn't, I didn't groom him, I didn't take him for walks, I just didn't take care of him. There's there's times where it was just like, I didn't have any dog food, so I only fed him the treats and this. It was just a rough time. And then I moved out and I gave him back to my parents and then he ended up, you know, I didn't talk to my mom for a long time, so about like almost a year after I gave him back, like I didn't see him that much because I hated my mom so much. And then, uh, you know, he, I got a call from her and she's like, Chance, the vet and we're gonna put him down he has something wrong with him and so I remember going to the vet and then I don't know it's just uh, I saw him and my mom and stepdad were there and they put him down and I had like so much guilt for that I was like I should have been there for you I should have should have been a better owner and then uh, but you were a kid honey trying to make life work yeah that was that was a tough one. And the thing is, like, even looking back then, like, now, if that happened, like, the Samuel X scenario happened, I'd, like, talk to so many people. And I, yeah. But back then, I just, yeah. I remember going back to my house, and I had, like, four roommates. And then I just mentioned it to one of them just quietly. I was like, yeah, my dog passed away yesterday. And, like, that was the only closure I had. was was the only expression. And then I just carried that guilt and that angst and all that stuff. But, but you dream about him? You said you had a dream about yeah, him? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I dream 
visits me in my dreams all the time. I remember the first dream I had of him, I was like crying and I was like, I'm sorry, Chance, I'm sorry. And then like, I don't know, I dream about him like once every three, four months. He'll, he'll come and then he'll do something. That, that's one of those dreams that just hope like never stops. He's just a, he was a good boy. I think when you get a reoccurring dream that's good like that, it's for a reason. Yeah, I, I hope so. I could just... Because I don't think your subconscious can make that happen. I don't know. I don't know a lot, but I, I don't... I don't think so. I don't think we can create that. I love how open and vulnerable you are. I never get to go this deep usually with um, people sometimes. Yeah, I, I try to be. I think uh, it's just the best way of, I don't know, going about things. Mm -hmm. It's just letting it flow. One thing I've kind of, I feel like I've really found my own identity this year. Mm -hmm. Like really... Mm -hmm. Consider myself a late bloomer, like bamboo. It takes like bamboo like six years to actually start growing. So You're Richie Bamboo. Yeah, Richie Bamboo. But uh, one thing I kind of realized is that if I'm able to just kind of let, like, just be honest, like, just be open and honest, like, good or bad, like, you're even if it's just, ugly. Yeah, even if it's ugly, like, people just react well to it. Even if I like fuck up and do something bad, and I'm like, well, I did it because I was bitter, or I did it because I was envious, or I did it because I was insecure, or I said that because I was jealous. Like, even if I'm just completely honest, people just react better to it compared to just. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You'll get so far in life with that. Yeah. Just that mm -hmm. will carry you so far. It's uh, it's tough though. It's tough to to recognize that though. To be like. It's a tough thing to admit, like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm, I was petty. <laughs> like, I know. I was just I know. stupid. I just did that because I was angry. But, like, hmm. Wow. Let's see. I think I'm pretty... I think we're good. Yeah, I think I it was good. I feel like this was good. good. I love you, baby. Yeah, I love you too, Kathy. Thank you, Richie. Thank you for listening to this episode of Give Me One Reason. If you're interested in contacting us or being on the show, please go to givemeonereason.org or call Kathy Taylor at 608-728-3284. Oh